This is Forum. I'm John Michaels, Public Affairs Radio Director since 1977, and we're talking with uh, Minneapolis County Sheriff Mike Milstead, who you've been sheriff now since uh, since how long? Well, actually, just in May, I hit my 25th year of service as the sheriff, so it was, uh, it was on my birthday, actually, that I was sworn in in 1997. Well, you've been sheriff... What did you do before you were sheriff? I spent about uh, just over 24 and a half years with the Sioux Falls Police Department. I, uh, I I started with the police department when I was 18 with their cadet program, and I worked my way through the different divisions and um, and uh, worked in the drug unit as a supervisor, the drug task force, and then uh, the night shift commander as a lieutenant on the PD when I became the sheriff. Uh, so I... In January of this year, I'll hit uh, I'll hit my 50th year of service between the PD and the sheriff's office. And before that, my dad was a highway patrol trooper for 25 years. So, um, yeah, I can't tell you how humble humbling it is, how honored I feel that that I've been able to serve that long in this community. I just you know we live in one of the safest places in America to live and raise your family, and, and it's just an honor to have been able to serve as long as I have. So you graduated maybe from, uh, I'm guessing, maybe Washington High School, the original? Lincoln High. Lincoln High, okay. Lincoln High came in just after I graduated. So uh, we'll talk about how things have changed a little bit, but what's the main concern, you know, with all of that history you have in your family, but what is, what's the thing that makes you really kind of concerned about Sioux Falls right now? Well, I'd have to say a, a couple things. You know, certainly, certainly, juvenile crime and the and the propensity for juveniles to be involved in violent crime. Uh, you know, we're seeing more and more cases where they're they're getting access to guns and carrying guns and not afraid to shoot the guns. You know, uh, um, that's certainly very concerning. You know, not only nationwide but even in our own community, we have to. You know, we have to really be alert. I, I get worried when I hear, you know, about, uh, you know, 14, 15, 16, 17-year-old kids that are carrying guns and, you know, <laughs> shooting them off. And, and uh, it, it's certainly just something that's very concerning and, you know, something that we need to manage and something that we can get through. But uh, but it's it's something that I've never seen in my 50-year career, I can say that. So when people say, I think I heard a gunshot last night, it probably was? Well, I mean, you know, that happens a lot more than it used to. The calls that we receive and the PD receives where it'll be shots fired in a certain neighborhood and the officers get there and look and there's shell casings in the middle of the roadway and there's no one there. And the reason there's no one there is it's oftentimes, uh, you know, juvenile uh, or, or drug offenders that, that you know had a little shootout and nobody got hit and they just leave so you know there was a day where the serious drug drug dealers carried firearms well now that's changed to that to point that because of drug rips because of drug robberies where people take money to a certain location to buy drugs and then they get robbed now the drug users uh uh many times are carrying firearms and uh, and again, they're, they they get there and somebody tries to rob them, rob them. They've got a gun, and pretty soon there's a you know there's a little shootout, and neither of them want to stick around and talk to the cops, obviously, because they 
you know, they're certainly probably not legally possessing. Many of them are probably on parole or probation. Uh, so, so, you know, they, they get out of the neighborhood pretty quickly, but you know, that's, that's a real concern. It's a concern for the, the people in the community. It's a, certainly a concern for our police officers, deputy sheriffs, state troopers that encounter these individuals, you know, just on a routine traffic stop even. So, uh, yeah, certainly it's, you know, it, it's, it's, uh, it's concerning, but, you know, we have a community that's really good at, 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 uh, you know, one of the great things we have in our community is we, we have, uh, people who aren't afraid to get involved. We have people who aren't afraid to call when something's suspicious. You know, if you see something, say something, um, has been the, the way of life in Sioux Falls for our citizens. And we appreciate the fact that they're willing to, to make those calls and let us know when there's a concern. It seems like a few years ago, there, there was a trend to not send, uh, teenagers to juvenile hall. Um, in other words, the numbers at Juvie Hall have gone way down. Is, is, was that maybe a good idea or maybe not? Well, you're talking about juvenile justice reform, and justice reform in itself is, is something that I think citizens really need to, to keep an eye on. Uh, I, I recently met with sheriffs from across the country in, uh, at the National Sheriff's uh, Conference in Kansas City. And there's a universal tone among sheriffs that one of their concerns, other than the, than the, uh, the, the issue with the, our southwest border, which I'd be help, happy to talk about, and the drugs pouring into America, um, a con- serious concern of these sheriffs uh, and the communities are centered around some of the justice reforms that are that's occurring. And, and it's uh, the lack of consequences for serious violations, the lack of consequences for, you know, it's almost like the decriminalization of crime. Mm-hmm. And and so we have to really watch that in our commu- our own community uh, and our own state. There, If you talk to a police officer or, or a teacher in, in South Dakota, I think you'll find many of them have concerns about the juvenile justice system and and uh, some of the some of the reforms that have occurred. So did it go a little too far? It's possible. If there aren't consequences, uh, you know, for for violations, uh, you know, it's just like raising your kids. If there's no consequences, if you tell them no and they do it anyway, there there has to be. And so, the justice reform these sheriffs are talking about across the country involves things like bail reform, where they're eliminating cash bail and and many of these jurisdictions pushed by reformists that that, that believe that you know that we incarcerate too many individuals and. I talked to sheriffs who, who said, well, my, my jail population has been cut in half, but our crime is soaring through the roof. And so, uh, I, again, you know, for your listeners, I would just say pay attention to what's going on in the areas of justice reform and, and in our legislature, in our, in our uh, uh, you know, in our own communities. And, but, but, you know, fortunately, we have a very conservative legislature, I think, but Every year there will be bills to try to to try to lessen you know the charges of even you know hard drugs like heroin and fentanyl. Uh, I talked to a sheriff in, in in California where if they found a somebody dealing heroin on the corner with a bag of heroin in their hand, the most his officers could do is is write him a traffic summons and walk away. 
And at the same time, those communities are being ravaged by violent crime, ravaged by gangs of criminals entering stores and just taking whatever they want and leaving because they know the police likely may not even be able to respond. And if they do, they recognize the fact there's little or if any consequences for some of the crime that, that, you know, we used to take very seriously. We're talking to uh, Sheriff Minnehaha County Sheriff uh, Mike Milstead. Fifty years of uh, experience there, plus your your dad in that. Uh, but uh, you, you mentioned, um, uh, well, let, let me bring up something I know that was kind of your project was this triage uh, idea, and you kind of, uh, uh, how is that going along? Well, I'd like to say it was my idea, but it was a, it was a it was a group of people who just recognized the fact that that there are people struggling with substance abuse and mental health issues that really really were actually crowding our jails and also crowding our emergency rooms uh, emergency departments and you know when when they sat down we we were able to work with you know this has been about a seven year project and we were able to work with the hospitals Avera and Sanford and and our uh, community health partners, our state health department, the mayor's office, the county commission, the police, the sheriff, you know, it's it's a group. It is not a one-person thing. And anyway, we looked at, you know, we're, we were able to use uh, uh, technology to analyze the frequent flyers to uh, the emergency departments and the frequent flyers in the criminal justice system. And it was not a real big surprise when we found that those that were crowding the emergency departments on a Friday and Saturday night were also crowding our jails and our justice system. So that ultimately, at the end of the day, resulted in the formation of a triage center, or in Sioux Falls, it's called the Link in in in, in uh, Pennington County in Rapid City. It's called the the uh, Care Campus, but both with the same idea that trying to get people on the front end that have substance abuse disorders or uh, mental health issues to try to get them help uh, early on. Uh, You know, it's kind of a no wrong door approach where somebody can bring their son or daughter in or the police can or the deputies can. Um, So it's in its early stages. We're very impressed with the results to date. Uh, There's a lot of work to be done. I want to see and I think everybody involved in the link wants to see more mental health services there and available. We want to make that a bigger part of the link and not just focus on substance abuse. But, uh, you know, it's one of those things to help, you know, and, and the hospitals are big winners out of this. Not only are they financially committed to the link and they're, and they're putting money into it, uh, as has the Helmsley Foundation and, and, you know, people in our community and the county and the city. But they recognize the value of this. Uh, you know, the, the emergency departments on a Friday night, uh, you bring your loved one in, the chest pains, it's really helpful if it's not crowded with people that were just there because they drank too much or <clears throat> took, took some drugs or they have a drug addiction issue that they're trying to deal with. So it's a, it's a, it's, it's a way to deal with that crisis without crowding our emergency departments and, and the county jail. You mentioned before that we're in one of the best places to live here in Sioux Falls. But on the other hand, uh, <clears throat> we don't want to put our head in the sand. There is human trafficking. There are cartels. Uh, you do come across some of that in Sioux Falls, don't you? 
Well, we we come across the results of that absolutely, and 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 I will say that at our meeting with the sheriffs, and in particular, I sat with a with all of our border sheriffs in in you know in Texas, Arizona, and California, and we have learned now that every sheriff's office in every county in America is a border is a border county now. Mm-hmm. It used to be that it was just them that dealt with these problems, but the but the interesting thing is, is these sheriffs from the southwest border turned around and looked at the rest of us in the room and said, the, the individuals, the migrants that are flowing across the border at an unprecedented rate and the drugs flowing like we've never seen before are going through their counties, not to their counties. They're coming to our counties. And and what, what, you, what you brought up is is really important and that is the human element the human trafficking element you don't get across the, the mexican border now for free it's between five and twelve thousand dollars per person the drug cartels are making more money off human smuggling migrant smuggling than they are off off the drugs i mean it, it's a it's a it's like a bonus because they don't even have to buy anything they're just control the border to the point that you can't get across the border without having a connection with the cartel, having to pay. And if you don't pay the full amount, then they're going to hold you accountable, whether that's through, you know, sex abuse or, you know, taking children or whatever it is. But it's a dangerous, dangerous situation. And I will say that the one of the biggest concerns I have about the safety of the citizens in Minneapolis County has directly to as a direct impact from these lack of security of our southern border if we can't secure our southern border we're going to continue to see fentanyl and methamphetamine flow into our county and our state at an unprecedented rate we're going to continue to see migrants uh uh illegally entering the u.s at at numbers we've never seen before uh and and being smuggled into the u.s as well uh, you know, people would say, people would say, well, it's just, you know, it's somebody from Mexico that wants a job in the United States. That's not true. That it's, it's like less than half of the individuals coming across the border right now are from Mexico. They're from 152 different countries. 4,000 people from Russia entered the, entered, were apprehended coming into the country just last year. Mexico has no requirement to have a visa to fly into Mexico. So what happens is if you live in Afghanistan, if you live in Korea, if you live in, in, in a, even in an enemy state uh, and want to get into the U.S., all you have to do is fly to Mexico, pay your five to $12,000, and you're in. And does that mean terrorists can come in to the United States through the Mexican border? Absolutely. Does that mean un, that the, the fentanyl will continue to flow from communist China into Mexico be stamped into pills? Absolutely. And so it's funny, as many as, as far as we are away from the southwest border of the United States, I will tell you that it has a, the lack of security there has a huge impact on the safety of the citizens in this county. Our people in Minneapolis County, have there been deaths from fentanyl? Yeah, that's it. That's a sore subject and a, and a sad subject for many, for many people in, in this area. You know, we've seen a 40% increase 
in overdose deaths in Minnehaha County in just the last year and 133% increase in the last five years. Almost half of our of our deaths in Minnehaha County from overdose have to do with fentanyl. And if you and if you and if you include the methamphetamine overdose deaths, which almost counts for the other half, it's it's sad. It's it's heartbreaking. What happens is, communist China doesn't care about U.S. citizens. They they allow the 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 flow of fentanyl to head into Mexico by the shipload. And in Mexico, the drug cartels press it into counterfeit pills uh, that look like common everyday. Uh, Oxycontin, Valium, Xanax, Ativan, um, and it and it flows into the U.S. Often, most of it through the unsecure Southwest border, and and it comes in as fake prescription pills. And the DEA last year, they seized 20 million of those pills, and two out of every five were lethal doses. You you have a better chance with Russian roulette than you do with the fentanyl that's coming into our state and our county. And so, you know, we do have fentanyl deaths. It's sad. And it's not people trying to kill themselves. It's people with a substance abuse disorder that are maybe experimenting. But if two out of every five pills can kill you, it doesn't take long before you're not alive. We're on the crossroads of two interstates, and we're talking to Minnehaha County Sheriff Mike Milston. We've been doing this program since 77, so even 20 years ago we were talking to you. <laughs> and uh, you you have a good source of how Sioux Falls has changed. But uh, I remember back then you used to say, well, the, the sheriff had to patrol almost 500 miles of uh, roadway in Minneapolis County. That's almost like, you know, to Minneapolis, uh, to uh, Rapid City, you know. But I'm sure that's increased quite a bit now. Well, I mean, yeah, there's, you know... But- there's about 800 square miles in Minneapolis County, and we have deputies out, you know, as we speak right now um, in all of our rural communities because we contract also with them as their local police department. So we're the police department in our communities like Del Rapids and Hartford and Humboldt and Colton, Valley Springs, Crooks, Baltic. And so not only are they out on patrol in the, in the rural communities, but they're also in patrol in the rural areas. So it, it's a it's a big obligation. Um, I, I give a lot of credit to our men and women in uniform uh, with all of the departments that serve this jurisdiction because I've got a soft spot in my heart, as you know, for the high patrol because my dad was one, for the PD because I worked there for almost 25 years, and certainly for the men and women that work for me in the sheriff's office. They do a good job. They, they're they dedicated servants. You know, they, it's it's a difficult job. Um, they, they look, I, I will say that it's, it's even more difficult to recruit and retain individuals just because it's, it's, you know, there's a lot of pressures in law enforcement today. You know, we're seeing the, the, the riot that we had in, 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 in our own community and, and, you know, makes it a little more difficult for officers. I will say though, that it's really honorable and credibly rewarding when I hear people walk up to my deputy and say, thank you for your service. When they walk up to me and they see me in a restaurant or on the street, say, Sheriff, thank you and your deputies for what they do. So for your listeners, if there's any time they have an opportunity to thank a police officer, a a deputy, a trooper for their service, those words go a long way to help relieve some of the stress that they have uh, in in a profession that is being tainted by, in some areas, by by individuals. It's just a 
very difficult situation for them, and, I, and we appreciate you know all the help and the support that we get from our citizens. Are you seeing officers from the uh, New York, New Orleans, California, moving to Sioux Falls for uh, wanting to be uh, a, a policeman here? Yep, we're we're actually receiving applications from all over the country. Um, people are sick and tired in some of their jurisdictions of the way law enforcement officers are are being you know, referred to or treated by, uh, oftentimes by their local government uh, and their local media and the local citizens. I mean, they've become the the demons of their communities, and they're just tired of it. And, you know, certainly we do extensive backgrounds. We want to make sure that we're getting good quality candidates, you know, that we're not getting somebody else's problem, but we have a good backgrounding process, and we're getting some shining stars in agencies like the Highway Patrol, the PD, the SO, from other agencies where they've just they've just given up on their on living in their communities, and many of these are communities like I talked about that have gone through such drastic changes in their justice reform, and eliminated cash bail, and and the crime is skyrocketing, and they have no support. That you're absolutely right, John. We're we're getting we're getting good comments, and we're getting good candidates from. From across America. Tell me what's on the horizon. Sioux Falls has changed quite a bit since you started. Uh, what's on the future horizon that uh, you're looking at? Well, you know, and, and it's, I don't want to make your listeners, you know, overly concerned because I don't get invited very much to talk to the Optimist Club. And it's because I focus on the criminal justice system. I focus on public safety. And we have some real concerns about what's going on. But I'm going to go right back to what I said when we started, and that is, compared to the rest of the country, this is one of the safest places in America to live and raise your family. But we need to keep it that way. Not only the sheriff, not only the police, you know, not only their troopers and all the other our federal agencies work here, but it's got to be the citizens. It's got to be us working together. It's got to be partnerships like we had with the link when you know for for the triage. Center. It's got to be, you know, support from the community. That's how we'll be effective at doing better than other communities because crime is on the rise in America. There's never been more assaults and killings and shootings of law enforcement officers than we have today in America. Um, We see these mass shootings of individuals, and look at the ages of them. We're we're talking about young individuals, uh, whether it's Highland Park. I think that was a 21-year-old that... carried that shooting out in Buffalo, New York, an 18-year-old killed, uh, you know, 10 victims, uh, Uvalde School, another 18-year-old. These individuals are growing up in a different world than you and I did, John. And typically, if somebody that had that that kind of a state of mind, where they would be willing to go out and murder a, a group of people, they would be an outcast in our society. But with the internet, and all the different platforms that are out there, they can go in their room and close the door and find like-minded individuals to try to inspire them and convince them. And I will tell you that when you go in those different platforms, that some of the people that are pressuring and encouraging, whether it's riots across America, whether it's you know anti-police, whether it's anti-government, I will guarantee you that it is not uncommon for the people that are inspiring people to to go against America's values, to go against the Christian values, to go against their religious beliefs are from 
enemy states are from foreign countries. The same individuals, the same countries that have people in warehouses that are hacking into our computer systems and stealing personal information and, and you know, defrauding banks and hacking into government systems. We People assume when they turn on the Internet and start talking to people or get into a certain chat room that, that these are all just, you know, their neighbors and friends, and that's not true. I'm just going to say there was some reason fraud that people impersonated sheriff's deputies. Uh, can you kind of uh, explain that? We have people who will tell individuals that there's a warrant form from Minneapolis County Sheriff's Office. They'll use one of my deputies' names. They'll ter- tell the person to drive down and buy a you know blue dot card or Bitcoin or whatever, and and then go to the. They'll have them even drive to the sheriff's office or the jail parking lot, and and. and you know, scratch the card off and read the number to make sure, you know, before you come in, read the number to me, you know. Well, they read the number, well, then they just gave up the cash on the card and it's gone. And so people have to be aware of scams like that. And they're scamming the elderly at an, you know, unbelievable rate, um, taking advantage of our seniors by getting, you know, hooking onto them on the Internet or over the phone, you know, and they research, you know, they research, they research the senior's Facebook page and they find out that their grandchild is in Mexico on vacation. And then they'll call up and say, I'm your grandchild and I'm in jail in Mexico and send us money. So, yeah, there's no shortage of scammers out there. But again, you know, you just have to be alert. And, and you know, your listeners, I'll tell you, it's, it's every day that there's people trying to get take advantage of them. And one of the big concerns that I have is when, when if, if you're a grandparent or a parent and you don't know where your kid is on the Internet, you are in a dangerous situation because that child or that young person can be influenced from somebody that doesn't even live in America, somebody that hates America, even in a foreign country. That child can be in a room where they're being they're going to have dangerous drugs like fentanyl heroin at their fingertips a drug like a drug dealer at their fingertips they'll end up coming in the mail to them and 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 the drug delivery will be from the post office or ups or fedex so people have to be alert and this is a time if you've got a if you've got a child and you don't know when and where they're on the internet you are you are living a dangerous life because there was a day there was a day where your kids would bring home a friend and you, as a parent, you would decide whether or not that friend is some of your son or daughter is going to hang out with. Well, that doesn't happen anymore because they're on the internet and they have new friends and their new friends could be from Iran or their new friends could be from China intentionally trying to get them to do something. And so, or their new friends could be a sexual predator. This is the time for parents to have, be more alert than ever, and in particular about what's going on with their children or their grandkids on the Internet. Minier County Sheriff Mike Milstead, uh, to kind of wrap up on a, on a positive note, you, you said you got started in uh, the cadet program. Do, they still have a cadet program for law enforcement, don't they? Well, I started as a police explorer, and they still have police explorers. They, the PD doesn't have cadets anymore. That, that program went away. 
the sheriff's office does hire individuals in the jail uh, at 18, so there are there are career opportunities. You know, we gave our the commission gave our officers a, a significant raise, just in particular for our the struggles that we're having with retention and hiring in our jail. And it's it's a decent job, and it pays pays good wages, provides health insurance. You're right into the state retirement system. I think if you know if you know somebody interested to start starting law enforcement or corrections, we're the place. Quite frankly, we pay better than anybody in the state to start, and we there's a four thousand dollar hiring bonus for our correctional staff, and and. and uh, you know, we had a high turnover rate because it's a difficult job, but it's a uh, it's it's twelve hour days. You work fifteen days a month. Uh, it's it's rewarding. You work with an incredible team of coworkers and supervisors, and uh, and if and if you want a chance, you go to our website, uh, minneacounty.org, and go to the sheriff's office, and uh, and we'll certainly take a look at you if you're interested in a career here because it's a great place to start. We have a lot of people that spend their whole career in corrections, um, but it's uh, also a great opportunity to get experience if you want to be a highway patrolman or a deputy sheriff out in the field or, a, uh, you know, Sioux Falls police officer or the FBI, whatever, one of our federal partners. It's a great place to start. Sheriff, Minneapolis County Sheriff Mike Milstead, well, 25 years as, as sheriff, 25 years as police department, your dad in the highway patrol. And you're a good example that you can have a good career in uh, in law enforcement. Our time is up, but thank you very much for being with us on Forum. Well, thank you, John.